Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Israel Rodriguez and I'm Tim Flaherty, the Christian talk radio show that goes beyond the surface level to explore the deeper truths of faith. Join us as we journey together into the heart of God's love and discover the power of faith to transform our lives. And we're back with another week from Beyond the Walls. I'm your host, Tim Flaherty, with my partner and friend, Pastor, is Rael Rodriguez. Well, this is 2024. You're, the, dra- you're the dragon. Good morning, team. And you're still working on your R's. You know, it might take another year, maybe 2025, maybe. Well, this is the year of the dragon. This is the year of the dragon, whatever that is. Audience, good morning to you all, Treasure Valley. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Walls. And it's good to be here. It is good to be here. You know, every new year brings new life into the world. It brings, you know, spring is right around the corner. We're kind of in the desolate part of of the year right now, but we just came through the giving season and I'm I'm always astonished. I'm always amazed at how much just energy goes into making sure that people are cared for. And today on the show we have two gentlemen and I do. I don't use that word lightly. They, these are these are really these are smart guys. These are honest guys. These are good guys from the United States Marine Corps. We have Staff Sergeant Montero and Staff Sergeant Jackman here with us. Adam Ricardo. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. So you two played a vital role this year in making sure some fourteen thousand children across the Treasure Valley, eleven counties actually, it was more than that, just big, larger than the Treasure Valley. Right. Eleven counties. Do you know all their names? Not up top of my head. Not all 14,000 yeah. children. No. But you know all 11 <laughs> counties. Let's, let's do a test. No, I'm just kidding. So you, you, you serve 11 counties in the state of Idaho and 14,000 children. How many partners would you say helped donate toys to make sure those kids got taken care of this year? Dozens of partners. We had probably 50 to 60 drop sites. And we had also independent businesses that did their own fundraisers and toy drives and that they donated their toys. Well, and if you're listening to us on a regular basis, you know that this is going to be a three-week series. We're going to hear a lot about uh, the staff sergeants, their lives, how they grew up, what led them to this service opportunity, and and why they're here with us today really talking about this and, and sharing the good work that they're doing. And if you want to get involved, they're going to give us some information a little bit later. You can get your pen and pencil ready and you can write that down. We'll make sure that you get the information on how you can help next year for Toys for Tots. So what I want to ask you guys right here at the top is we're going to talk a little bit about this episode, where you guys grew up and what led you into the Marine Corps. Okay. And I know a little bit about you guys, but the audience doesn't. And so if you could take a minute, tell us like, where were you guys born? Just pretend the team is not here. So, I mean, I didn't hear the whole story, so me and the audience will be your first guests. Okay. Yeah. So, I grew up in Southern California uh, in a small town or city. Uh, it's called Moscoy. It's in San Bernardino. I spent a few years there. Uh, originally spent probably, well, I was born there, moved to Mexico from around two years old. I came back when I was five. I didn't speak any English at all. Right. So it was pretty interesting coming back and having to go back into the or start school because I came back and started in first grade. Luckily, the city that I lived in is predominantly Hispanic. So me only being able to speak 
Spanish wasn't an issue because everyone spoke Spanish, right? But so, it did take me some time. And so, Jackman, so how do you say, excuse me, how do you say Israel Rodriguez with the R's? Well, well, well pronounced. Israel? Israel Rodriguez. Rodriguez. There you oh go, my. Tim. No. There you go. I'm going to record, I'm going to get this, play Please it back. Do. It's, it's <laughs> not a tongue, you got to <laughs> yes. roll the R. A, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's been a year, but I'm trying. It's actually been seven years since I've been trying to say this, but I couldn't even spell it correctly. I was spelling it with one R for, <laughs> I think, five of those seven years. So... Jackman, what about you? Were you uh, born in uh, where? Arkansas? I was born in southern Ohio. Southern uh, Ohio. Yeah. Close to the Arkansas border there. Yeah, it's a little far away, but it's yeah, pretty close enough. We'll go with that. Uh, but I, I grew up uh, in southern Ohio. Uh, I grew up on a little on a little farm down there. My great-grandfather had owned it. He was in the Navy uh, for about 12 years, and then he got out and came to Ohio and bought this farm. I had a lot of family members that were in the Navy or in the Army. I had one that was in the Marine Corps. Growing up on the farm was really fun. Uh, I love Southern Ohio. It's a beautiful place. But I'm glad that I left and did what I did, you know. Uh, Are you a Buckeyes fan then? or I am not. No, I actually don't. I'm more of a uh, baseball guy. I watch the Cincinnati Reds a lot. You know, I love baseball. My man, Pastor <laughs> Israel here, loves baseball. In fact, yeah. every time, we go on mission trips all the time together. And every time we go anywhere, we have to see a baseball game. I mean, it's like one of those guilty pleasures, I guess you might say. In fact, the last trip we were in Puerto Rico together and in the town of Mayoes, which is on the west. Is it the west side of that? I guess yeah, that's part of it in the name, yes, right? Yeah. And a friend of ours, Robbie, he is on the team in the Indios in Mayoes. And it was opening day. It was my birthday. We had to go over there. So we, we drove like three hours across this island you know, construction and the the roads down there are like third world. It's terrible. And we were, we started out the day in the mountains. So it was all curvy and I thought I wasn't going to get out of there alive. And my brother was driving, which was a mistake from the beginning. It was a very entertaining road trip, you know. Having, oh my. Yeah, your brother on the wheel and steering wheel and you in the back, you know, oh, making yeah. some good comments, you know. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> By the end of the trip, I was like, let me out of this car. <laughs> But we love baseball. We're baseball fans here on the show and, uh, you know, qu quite a bit. So Cincinnati Reds, who's your favorite player there when growing oh, up? Man, growing I, up. Growing up, um, I really enjoyed, um, there was Adam Dunn. Uh, he was probably one of the ones that I enjoyed watching the most. Everyone always kind of cheered for him, which most of the Reds fans were, you know, they cheer for pretty much everybody that went out there, you know. Um, at least in my family, you know, we were just happy to see him out on the field, you know. But I'd say probably Adam Dunn was who I was going for the most when I was, you know, growing up. And did you get to a lot of games? I used to love going to games. Me and my dad and my grandmother and my uncle, we would always go to all the Reds games. It was just a yearly thing, you know. Hey, who's going to the game this year, you know? Like, hey, everyone. Everyone's going. That's Every Pile in the Suburban, you know. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. So it was a good time. Ricardo, what about you? America, Atlas, um, uh, Club Tijuana, uh, Cruz Azul, <laughs> soccer teams in Mexico? No, I think I never really got into the sports. I love to play any sport, but I never really became attached to a certain team growing up. So what you, you know, you guys grew up in these, you know, well, one in a rural community on a farm, one in a city, mm -hmm. and you go to school. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. How does that, you, you, you know, you're, you are learning English for the first time, Ricardo. So, you know, how does that develop? How, when, how long does it take you to really pick it up and catch on? Because you speak great English now. I <laughs> mean, 20, 20 years later. But. Right. 
How did that develop for you? Well, I, I don't really think it took me that long. It took me a few years, but I picked it up pretty quick and now it's become my first language and now you know now i have more trouble speaking spanish than i do english so it's kind of funny but that really came in handy during the campaign because so many of the families that we were helping were speaking other languages and it, it actually really did amaze me to see how many families would come through the door and they they wouldn't speak spanish they might speak a different um a different language from the middle east or from europe or from ukraine uh, because there's so many refugees here, and and the doors of Toys for Tots were open to everybody, right? Which was which was a great thing to see, and you could see the relief and the joy on these parents' faces as they were coming to get toys for their children. And what what amazed me so much was you'd have these women come through the door. It was all, for, I mean, there were some men that would come through there, but a lot of times it would be women that would come through the door, and they they would say, you know, I have two children. And I have a I have a two year old and I have a four year old, a boy and a girl, and we they'd fill out the application and we'd say okay now you got to sit over there by the door and then a marine typically or maybe a volunteer would go around and they would think they would think about this child and they would actually try to find something I think maybe even in themselves that would say okay if I was a four year old little boy what would I want to play and they would get trucks or they would get little you know whatever they and they would fill the bag with toys. And a stuffed animal and stocking stuffers, and they would bring it over and they would give it to the mom. And I never saw anybody leave there disgruntled or unhappy. They were always just filled with gratitude. Was that your experience too? Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we always did our best to try to, you know, really give every child a toy that they would like. Um, obviously, we're limited by our resources. We only have so many toys but we did our best to distribute those toys to all the children uh certain age groups were a little bit more difficult but we still managed to find something for everyone and we got a lot of very interesting requests from people you know not all of them wanted toys some of them mm -hmm. wanted clothes mm -hmm. you know like jackets socks pants somebody asked me for a christmas tree mm. um which we did give it to her. Yeah. We let her borrow our Christmas tree. I love it. And uh, she returned it to us. So that was awesome. Terrific. So when you were growing up, I have to, I, I have to imagine, you know, I, I have my own stories from Christmas growing up. But when you were growing up, you know, how was Christmas in, in the, you know, the Jackman household? What, what, what was that like? Was it, was it crazy with tons of kids and lots of presents or was it more kind of like cool and chilled out? So it was, it was pretty chill. Uh, it was just me and my sister is all we really had, but my parents, uh, they did a very good job of making everything about Christmas so real and heartfelt, you know? Um, they'd decorate the whole house and the yard, and we would all get out there and do that. And, you know, it would snow, and we'd build a snowman, you know. And just everything about Christmas, um, at least where I came from, you know, I had an amazing family. Uh, my sister was awesome, you know. Everything about Christmas was just, it was almost magical, to be honest. Like, especially as a kid, you know, I can't thank my parents enough, even my grandparents, for just making it so amazing is what it was. So, but, yeah, that was about what it was like, you know, just this magical place, pretty much. Mm -hmm. What about you, Montero? Tell us about your favorite Christmas. Well, I think early on, I was told the truth about Christmas. Oh, right? Santa's not real? Well, you know, 
That's what they say. At least not in Mexico when he was a kid, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't really remember my first couple Christmases, right? And what was your best Christmas? Um, the best Christmas that I had, I think it was in 2004 or five. I remember I got a, uh, it was a remote controlled Escalade. It was white. That yeah. was the coolest thing I ever got in my entire childhood. I it was that. awesome. My brother got a black one, which figured I should have taken the black one because it doesn't get all scratched up as easily. And I was pretty upset when he started ramming his Escalade into mine. He's getting all dinged up. Now, is that your older brother? Yeah. Yeah. Older brother. A couple of years. Uh, I have an older brother too. Sometimes yeah, yeah. the worst. They older brother you all the time. Hey, Martin, are you listening out there? This is for you, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, one thing I noticed was there were a lot of remote control cars this year in the Toys for Tots campaign. Was that because... Uh, you enjoyed that so much as a kid. And so when you were out shopping for gifts, you were picking up the remote controlled cars to try to give to those little kids. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, also, we did a couple news segments and that was one of the things that I specifically requested from the community. So they really delivered on those uh, remote control vehicles. If you had to guess how many, I mean, how many would you say remote control cars were delivered this year? Oh man. I mean, come on, you got to guess. Guess Jeez. you got something, Jack. Man, oh man, I can't even imagine the thousands. Numbers. I mean, thousands. those, those trywalls we had were just packed with these remote control cars. Yeah. They just had it. There was millions of them. It looked like, <laughs> you know, obviously That's there wasn't, one. but there was a bunch, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. It made me really happy to see because me too, as a child, I think one of my favorite gifts ever was when I was maybe about eleven years old. I got this like speed racer off road remote control car that seemed to have batteries that would last forever right it had even back in the 90s it had like rechargeable battery pack which was that was big you know at radio shack normally you had to like put the batteries in one by one but then this this one was like it was rechargeable so yeah. it could go over and over and i played on our farm man i played in the dirt and the that thing lasted i think probably until i was 13 or 14 years old and then, you know, of course, you don't care about remote control cars when you're yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to be right back with the staff sergeants. We're going to hear a little bit more about how they grew up and got into high school and what led them to the Marine Corps. Uh, we'll be right back here in a minute. Estegos is powered by the faithful donations from people like you. Their mission is to help everyone in the Treasure Valley through their community warehouse, housing programs, and the Boise Food Bank. They believe all human beings should be respected and loved. Each person is special and deserves to live their life to the fullest. If you want to donate to Estegos, go to their website, estegos.org, and click on the yellow Donate button at the top of the page. That's A-S-T-E-G-O-S dot org, and click on the Donate button. And we're back beyond the walls. I'm your host, Tim Flaherty, and of course, we have Pastor Israel Rodriguez with us. Oh, I messed up the R's again. Well, so we, we've, we've got with us uh, two staff sergeants from the United States Marine Corps, uh, Jackman and Montero. And they, both of these gentlemen were instrumental in helping with the Toys for Tots campaign this year. And we're learning a little bit about their lives and what drove them into this particular service. Uh, Pastor, you have a question for the staff sergeant? Well, I'm just flying in the time, you know, going back to those days where I used to open presents, you know, mm -hmm. seven, six years old. I remember my first Lego. Oh, man, that, that <laughs> was an innovation, you know, in our in our neighborhood. And, uh, yes, you know, you growing up in Mexico and growing up in, in Ohio, uh, what led you, you know, after all this time in uh, 
school, primary school, what was your first thought that would lead you eventually to becoming a Marine? So I was a senior in high school and I remember I was leaving school. I, was, I didn't live too far from where I went to school. So I was walking home and uh, this recruiter approached me, right? He was wearing like the get up, the whole uniform. And I was like, oh, that looks really sharp. So he comes up to me and he's like, hey, can I ask you a few questions? I said, sure, why not? And uh, he asked me a few questions and he's like, are you physically fit? And I thought, yeah, of course I am. You know, I thought very highly of myself as a, <laughs> as a 17, 18 year old. And uh, he asked me, are you looking for something challenging, something rewarding? You'll be able to travel the world, financial security, uh, so on and so forth. And all those things sounded very interesting to me. So he... Uh, He asked if I wanted to go to the recruiting station and uh, get some more information. So I went and uh, it was kind of like it wasn't really something that I had set out to do. But when I talked to him, I went home that day, kind of thought it over. I didn't tell my mom yet because I already knew how she would react. She said no. She's watched so many movies. She just thinks the worst. Right. So um is it I, as bad as it's portrayed in the movies? Like, no. You know, the paperwork and the desks and then how she watched saving private ryan oh my god i don't even know what she's watched <laughs> <laughs> right i have no idea but they weren't that wasn't the marines right that was that, that was, was airborne the, yeah the yeah. army yeah. but yeah so i i thought about it and i said you know what i'm gonna do this um to just better myself and my future so and yeah i told my mom about it she was kind of hesitant at first but how many days went by between that recruiter uh, approaching you on the sidewalk and you saying, yes, I'm going to do this. So I talked to the recruiter in January of uh, 2015. I was still in school. I graduated in June, mid-June of that year. And uh, less than 30 days later, I was in boot camp. So I have about a 30-day window of being a you know normal person who's out in, in the free world and then straight into the military i love it and what about you jackman tell us tell us your experience yeah i mean was it was it uh, different than that or uh pretty similar uh so i remember uh when i was in high school um i was i was getting really bad grades i really didn't want to like pay attention no, yeah not you yeah not, right. not, not jack yeah, exactly. you know, i didn't want to pay attention right i didn't want to listen to the teachers you know um i wasn't a bad kid i just didn't want to be there you know and i remember um I, i think my mom started this right i could be wrong but my uncle one day i was out in the barn i was just kind of tinkering around and my uncle that was a marine he was the only marine that's that i know of in my family uh come out and had this serious talk with me Um, and I remember him bringing up the Marine Corps and how it had changed him and everything like that, right? At the time, you know, he planted the seed, right? I didn't know, but he had done it, you know, because uh, when he was talking, it was like, I don't want to listen to this, you know. Uh, but I think that's what started it, right? Uh, and then uh, talking to my grandpa and everything else, everyone was in the Army or the Navy, and I was just like, I don't really want to do those, you know. They just don't seem cool enough to me, right? And no offense to anyone that's in the Army or Navy, right? Uh, just to me, the Marine Corps seemed a little bit shinier you know mm -hmm. and i was like all right let's yeah you know so i was like all right well let's see what happens you know so then a few years down the road i was kind of i was working a really good job i worked at kenworth at an assembly plant in chillicothe ohio um and uh, i got hired on full time uh, but i was just driving a forklift around you know and 
and someone said hey there's going to be a reunion coming up for like school you know graduation and i was like oh man do i really want to go to reunion and be like oh i drive a forklift for a living you know and i was like what would be cooler than that and then <laughs> i swear that hit me that conversation that my uncle had with me in the barn that day hit me and uh so the next day on my way into work i left a little early and I went to talk to the Marine Corps recruiter, and he got me. Ah, I mean, he got me right there. He was like, "I'll oh, check all this out," you know. And uh, um, and I was like, "Yeah, when's the soonest you can send me?" And he's like, "I could have you out of here in a month." And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So I just started doing what I was doing, right? And then I didn't tell anyone anything, none of my family. Um, I was kind of keeping it a secret because I knew how they would react. You know how you were talking to Montero about. You know, you were afraid your mom was going to freak out or whatever. Same, right? I was like, okay, I'm just not going to say anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then all the sneakiness, like, hey, you got to go to MEPS and you're going to be gone for two days or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, how am I going to hide that, you know? And so I was like, oh, work needs me to do this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they seen right through that, of course, you know? So when I got back, they're like, I know you've done something. What have you done? So I told them. And, of course, everyone's crying and they're like, oh, take it back. You're lying to me, you know? Um, but, uh, that's, that's kind of my route. Right. And then I left, um, it felt like a blink of an eye and I was gone. I don't know how you felt about that Montero with your experience, but that's how I felt. I felt like someone snapped her fingers and boom, I was gone. And then once again, snapped her fingers and here I sit right in front of you guys. You how old were you when you made that decision? Uh, I, I just turned 18. Um, so it was late 2013. Um, so yeah, late 2013. And I was like, yeah, I just want to No, I was 19. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, late 2013. And then, uh, I was like, I'm just going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So then by, by March of that next, uh, that next year, I went in in February and Mm -hmm. talked to the recruiter. And then by March I was gone. Yeah. Crazy. It is crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back. Deer flat church is a place for everyone. It is a church where you can be accepted as you are, experience an amazing depth of grace, and heal your hurts. It is the perfect place for imperfect people. Come and check out their services, both in person and online. They meet every Sunday at 9 a.m. for a traditional service and 1045 for a more contemporary service. Deer Flat Church is located at 17703 Beat Road in Caldwell and online at deerflat.org. Come and join the fellowship. And we're back again. I'm Tim Flaherty. I'm your host of Beyond the Walls. This is my co-host and partner, Pastor Israel Rodriguez. Been suspiciously quiet today. Yes. Uh, you know, the beginning of a new year, you have a lot of things planning, a lot of things in your mind, and a lot of things to a lot of things to pray for. You know, to organize all this new year ahead of us. And uh, it seems like we just finished with this uh, Christmas season, and we're just talking about what's going to happen in December coming up. You know, <laughs> this year, and we have these guys here. And thank you so much for attending this invitation and and this uh, opportunity to talk uh, about going beyond the walls. It's, I'm I'm kind of thoughtful this morning, Tim, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, it, to me, really interesting, I think, is the fact that the Marine Corps Reserves, which you, you gentlemen are active duty Marines, but the Marine Corps Reserves actually sets Toys for Tots as a mission. I mean, just like they would say, you know, you know, they had a mission to, uh, you know, defeat some warlord or or take some hill or or capture some city or or whatever making sure children in America have Christmas is a mission of the Marine Corps Reserves and I and I think that's so amazing uh, and I, I really can't wait to hear more about that but can you tell me a little bit about the story the beginning maybe just a, a minute of what was the beginning of of, of the uh, Marine Corps 
involvement in Toys for Tots? So back in 1947, there was the uh, reserve lieutenant colonel. His name was, uh, oh, I'm sorry, he was a major at the time. He retired as a lieutenant colonel. Uh, his name was Major Bill Hendricks. So his wife used to uh, hand make these toys and she would make, you know, so many of them and she wanted to donate them. So she told her husband, hey, can you go out and find an organization that I can donate these toys to? So he went out and looked around, you know, he couldn't really find anything that was appropriate. So he came back and said, hey, you know, there's nothing out there for you to donate these to. So in, in return, she said, okay, well then make one, right? So- All right, Major. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he went out and created the Toys for Tots uh, Foundation. Uh, it started with a small detachment uh, in Los Angeles. And the following year, the Marine Corps caught wind of it and they really liked the involvement, yeah, yeah. the impact, the involvement that the Marines were were getting out of it, and they picked it up and made it a Marine Corps uh, reserve mission. Yeah, and there's a whole Walt Disney uh, aspect to it that we'll get into at the beginning of next week. We'll talk about how Walt Disney played a, a major role in Toys for Tots, and you're going to want to hear about that. And you're going to hear about the lives and how these two gentlemen have served their country and what brought them here to Boise, Idaho, to serve. Uh, of course with us pastor you want to say a quick prayer and get us out of here yes heavenly father we thank you for giving us another day where we can experience your goodness your love and your mercies help us to prepare for any battles that we may face help us to keep our eyes uh, fixed on you as we go through today help us to stand strong and not live in fear of the enemy please lord equip us today with the full armor of God. This is my prayer. In the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus, we say, Amen. 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 We'll see you next week. <laughs>